Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sammy. And Dwayne is not with us this time for um, some personal reasons. He's had a little bit of a, a health um, moment, occurrence. I'm not sure what the right phrase is. Um, but uh, he's he's doing okay, and he'll be on the next episode. Um, and so we're going to take a moment here to talk about some news. This is not a review. The next, I think, two episodes are going to be reviews, right, Yes, it will be, actually. So this is our world-famous news episode, as Dwayne likes to bring us in with. So... And I hate that he's not on this episode for one giant reason. We've got Star uh, Wars. Exactly. You know, I think the only one that, that he's missed, there wasn't any Star Wars news. It was all like like comic book stuff. And so we were just like all over the place with it. <laughs> now we finally got one with a big Star Wars drop and, and then this. But, you know, but he'll be back. I'm sure he'll give us his two cents uh, the next time he jumps back on here. Yeah, he may interrupt the review uh, next time just to talk about it. I know we're talking about the Princess Bride guys, but hey, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of episode nine, so Jamie, um, what's what's going on? Do uh, we need to be worried? I, I'm a little concerned now. I wasn't until see, and normally I hear reshoots and people freak out about reshoots. Um, and they shouldn't. Every movie has reshoots. That's a the thing they do. They do pickups. They do reshoots. It's the thing they always do. Um, except the difference that I've heard, and I couldn't find a awesome source on this, but there were a couple of nerdy podcasts that I listened to who seemed to know what they were talking about. Um, and it seems they did some test screenings and got Disney's worst results ever. Is what Ooh, I heard. Okay. And so they're apparently they're not just doing some reshoots to tweak some scenes. Apparently they are reshooting chunks of the movie. They're changing the script in dramatic ways because of how poorly the test screen. You know, when you, when you think about this, I mean, is this, you know, I guess you just go back and forth and you question, is this just knee jerk reaction or is this because of last Jedi and kind of the way the audience took it, that J.J. is like, listen, this is the last episode in this saga. Uh, I've got to get this right, or, or they're going to run me out on a rail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, what I'm afraid of, I mean, because like you said, this is the end of the saga. It's the end of the story. And so it's the yeah. ending. Like, There's more Star Wars, but as far as Skywalker stuff, this is the end. This is, yes. So what I'm afraid is they didn't land the plane very well and yeah. that the ending, that the ending of the storylines was unsatisfactory instead of having to go back and tinker. Well, you know, you were talking about, you know, a lot of this, as far as reshoots and stuff, you know, they've been reshooting scenes since June. Uh, I think uh, a lot of this, as far as the, the fear started with a, a YouTube channel called making star Wars. And they're the ones that really started this buzz about, oh my gosh, they're reshooting this movie because of, of the reaction to the screenings. Mm. Um, you know, at first, all I found, I think comicbook.com had reported that there's a big scene with a sandworm of some sort, uh, mm. and they were going back and, and working on that scene. Uh, but nothing else, other than J.J. admitting the last scene has been the most difficult part of the entire movie. Well, I would imagine. All I could, yeah. 
I mean, and like I said, like you said, you got to land this plane uh, because of just the responsibility that that's in his hands right now. Uh, and it sounds like when they tried to land the plane the first time, a wheel popped off or something. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the screening went poorly. But I, I think, I mean, J.J. made a great Star Wars movie. He's made like three good Star Wars movies. I mean, Force Awakens, Star Trek, and, you know, Star Trek 2. I mean, those were yeah. all good Star Wars movies. So. They were fantastic, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I mean, we've, I mean, we, I think we talked about J.J. on our, on our last news episode. Um, he makes good movies. He makes entertaining movies. Um, it's a tough job, though, to do the last Skywalker movie. And so I can imagine the trepidation. Oh, it is. And that's, that's for sure. I can't imagine having that kind of responsibility on your plate. You know, not just that it's a Star Wars movie, but as you said, it's the Star Wars movie. It's the story that's been going since 1977 is now ending. <laughs> so it's kind of like this is a huge deal. Well, I mean, I still have faith in J.J. And – um, the producers, the, I mean, I've enjoyed all of the Disney Wars movies. Um, I think they've all been good and I, I trust them. I think they're going to be okay. Um, but there's a little bit of doubt now. I mean, I mean that, that if, if they really, if this isn't just, you know, overblown nerves about reshoots, if they really are going back and doing huge chunks of the movie over again, I mean, that raises some doubts. It really does. That does. I mean, that's a bit of a red flag there. I mean, yeah. if, if it, it's almost like, and you know, this, these things, like you said, happen. Uh, there have been reshoots on plenty of movies. You know, I think about the, you know, the story I heard with um, John Carpenter's first Halloween movie, you know, the, the, the tail end piece where, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis stabs Michael and he goes off the balcony. And then when she goes back, he's not there anymore. And the, the music starts, the famous piece of Halloween music starts as it flips around. You know, the music wasn't originally there. It was just silent. And after screening it, a bunch of people were like, you need something there. And that's when Carpenter and his wife came up with that theme. And they inserted wow. it there. And that changes, to me, the entire ending and makes it, it so much more impactful. So and, and play it with it muted and it just doesn't have the same impact. So maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's something that they just really want to make sure this is right. So they're going back and fixing it. So we can only hope. Well, I mean, and too, I mean, in, in addition to it being, you know, the end of the saga, it's also I mean, J.J. coming back. It seems like to undo some stuff that Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi. <laughs> so I mean, that that's an extra little wrinkle there. It is. You know, it, it's almost like you wrote the the beginning and end of the book, but you didn't write the middle. And you don't love the guy who wrote the middle part. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get that vibe that JJ and Ryan Johnson maybe not on the best of terms at the moment. Could be, could be. Yeah. <laughs> But um, on our next piece of news, there was a really interesting story. And I know we're both men of a certain age. Um, did you enjoy the 90s Tank Girl movie? Um, you know, the 90s Tank Girl was strange, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, I, I believe I've only really watched it once. Uh, 
but I remember just kind of going, okay, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> I saw a thing. Not sure what it yep, was. Yeah, I, I saw, saw a thing. thing. But, uh, you know, we're seeing a reboot. Uh, you know, so Margot Robbie, Harley herself, wants to tackle this character. What well, do you think? Well, she's the right lady to do it. I mean, uh, Lori Petty did a fine job. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy the, the Tangirl movie, but I think we've established on the show I'm a little eccentric. Um, <laughs> and that's probably not the word my wife would use. Um, right, right. But um, I kind of enjoy it, but probably just because of how out there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Margot Robbie, I mean, I, I could really, I can completely envisage her doing this, you know? Yes. Doing that kind of strange role that's out there. But I have two questions. So okay. I went and looked on IMDb. I checked out Margot Robbie's page. And because they've got that, like the next few years of planned projects, which most of the things don't Correct. happen anyway. It's not on the list yet. Okay. So my question is, is this just something that she really, really wants to do and is trying to, you know, wish into existence? Is there anybody else that wants this to happen besides her as well? <laughs> well, from what I from what I had gathered, it is her company, uh, Lucky Chap Entertainment, that has optioned this from NGM. She wants this. She okay. wants this part. And, and like I said, it's even her production company uh, that she's a partner in that's going to be doing this. So I think it is one of those things she re- she just wants to do it. Uh, and I think she would be great for it. You know, uh, from Absolutely. what we've seen as her as Harley, uh, as well as, as just some of the quirky parts that she has played. Yeah. You know, I think this will be a good a good fit. I think the fit's great. So I mean, so if it's it's already been optioned, it's already, you know, got a home to make it. So is is funding really the only problem? Don't know. It could be. Okay. You know what I think's interesting. You know, we talked about the movie. You know, as far as Tank Girl with Lori Petty. You know, the character's been around since '88. She was a comic book character. She was a British comic book character essentially. Um, and what I found interesting is uh, the artist that created her. Uh, which is Jamie Hewlett, is also the guy that came up with all the art for Gorillaz. Uh, so the band really? Gorillaz, yes. So if you look at some of his art, the Tank Girl uh, profile with the cigar in her mouth and the helmet, and you compare that to the Gorillaz covers, especially that that four-part cover that, that has all four of the characters on it, yeah. you can see it's the similarity in art styles. Yeah, it makes so, sense now that you say that. I would have never connected those dots. See, I didn't either, and I was trying to read up because I knew she was, you know, came around the late 80s. Uh, it was a British magazine called Deadline, and it was the first issue, and they, they put her in there. And she was like this punk, counterculture type of character, and she was in direct opposition to uh, the administration in Britain at the time uh, with Margaret Thatcher and, yeah. and all that. So she – fits squarely into that punk counterculture type of feel. Yeah. So. Very anti. I, I've read a little bit of Tank Girl. Um, it's yeah. very anti-authoritarian. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just find her some authority to rebel against. I mean, any authority is good enough. And she'll do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Marlo Robbie, I mean, that's the real, I mean, that I think that gets the movie done. I mean, in my yes. opinion, like if I found out like, okay, Margot Robbie wants to be in this. Okay. Okay. We'll start filming. 
but my second question is though, is this a movie that has a large enough audience to justify the budget that's going to take to make a good Tank Girl movie? You know, they're hanging their hat on her, I think. Yeah. And I think it will depend on who else they, they cast. Uh, because, like I said, I, I've only seen their, their, their 95 movie once. And I do know that, uh, what was it, Naomi Watts was in it. She was uh, Jet Girl or something like that. So she was a, a character. So I think it's going to depend on who else they cast. If they yeah. can get enough names attached to this project, I think really do believe that a production company, somebody will take this and and run with it. Well, I wonder if they're going to wait and see if she's a big enough star to carry birds of prey and suicide squad too. And if she's got enough name recognition herself and enough sure. you know, box office cachet and like, okay, we'll go. Maybe that's why it's not on her IMDb schedule yet. Because that's like, true. We're, we're waiting to see. Let's um, kind of see, see in what February when birds of prey comes <laughs> out. So. Yeah. Yeah, we, we get that she's happens. awesome. Is she a box office star? So I, I right. mean, yeah. Well, speaking of box office stars, we've got some strange news for the Black Widow. So so essentially, Downey Jr. is back in Black Widow, <laughs> right? <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> I actually have it written in my notes. That's the title. <laughs> Downey Jr. back in black. <laughs> I thought he was done with the MCU, though. Well, here's the thing. This may be a little bit of a cheat. Okay. There is, there is some word out there that the scenes you're going to see with Downey Jr. are cut scenes from Civil War that are going to be brought into Black Widow as flashbacks. So obviously there's a lot of people torn on this, you know, fans, critics alike. You know, Tony had a, you know, a satisfying ending, I think. You know, yeah, his character arc from the first Iron Man through Endgame, you know, he, he satisfied, I think, the growth of, of the character of Tony Stark that was necessary. So a lot of people are really a little frustrated with this. They're like, why? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't love it. I mean, more, more Downey as Iron Man. I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I can't get too worked up about it. Um, but like you said, the ending was so good, and yeah. it was such a, like an emotionally powerful ending. I kind of leave it there, you know. It's kind of yeah. like me with the, the Matrix sequels. I mean, they're okay. I just love the way that first movie went, the storyline, the way it ended. Like, I don't, I kind of resent the sequels. And I, I hope that doesn't spoil part of the Black Widow movie, that people resent it you know, and have that sort of negative feelings because we've got Iron Man back. Well, you know, and we really, we've got Natasha back also. She died. So it's kind of like <laughs> both of these characters that, that had an ending are being brought back. <laughs> but we needed a Black Widow movie to happen. It's I long think. overdue. Scar ScarJo needed that. I think it was time for her to to take center stage. You know, I definitely think she she can carry a movie. We know that. That's been proven. So to see her as Black Widow, I think the character was ready for that. So, but I'm confused about the time frame now because I it was my understanding this was earlier in her career, like yes. not long after she defected but now i'm hearing that it's a post-civil war time frame right and and that's how they're weaving downy in so i'm wondering if it's like a framing sequence like her she's talking to downy 
and like she starts reflecting. And then we do that, you know, that Wayne's World woo woo yeah. thing. And then we and then we <laughs> see that <laughs> there it is. I, I blanked on how to do it. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then um and then we go back to when um she defects and first yes. starts working for Shield. And then at so, the end of the movie, we come back to her and Downey talking or something. You know, I think this movie has is going to have to be a lot of that. We're going to have to develop her character. You know, they, they've talked enough about, you know, the, the quote unquote red in her ledger and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we need to see that as a payoff in the movie, you know? So I wonder if it's going to be back and forth a lot between the young Natasha and this post civil war, Natasha, that, that way they can tie in, you know, Iron Man in there. And I, I think if it is sort of a uh, like a Princess Bride style framing sequence, I think that would be more palatable to yes. a lot of people than I having agree. an integral part of the story. Um, you know, as an additional thing with Downey Jr., I found really important uh, or kind of interesting is he came out in support of bringing Ironheart in as a replacement hmm. for Iron Man. So um, – the story basically said that he was at this big gala event with Eve Ewing, who was the writer on Ironheart. And he went on record saying that, you know, she needs a Disney Plus series, if not a movie, and that this character needs to be the replacement for Iron Man. So. All right, I'm sorry, Dwayne. I'm about to get into some comic talk. Um <laughs> I like I like Riri Williams, who's Ironheart, mm -hmm. and she's not always been well written. Um, well, I've I've done a small being rant before, um, <laughs> but um, it, it, she she's not been evenly written. There's been times it's been good. Um, even Eve Ewing's run has had some some great issues, some you know meandering story type stuff. Right. But she's a great character, and so mm -hmm. I could really see her translating into the movies or. Um, a Disney Plus TV show. Although I think they've already mi missed the boat on an opportunity. I think Zendaya would have been a great Riri Williams. I do agree. She She's already popped perfect. up in the MCU. <laughs> well, has she now that we've got the break? So That's true. <laughs> and and we've got a Spider-Man shaped sized hole <laughs> in the MCU. We can put our heart right in there. There you go. That'll work. <laughs> Plus, she's still under Disney contract, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's Disney friendly. That's right. All right, Dwayne, I'll stop now. Um, let's, we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back for the rest of the news. Willcon, September 28th at the Southside Mall in South Williamson, Kentucky, featuring special guest Christine Thompson lead writer of Destiny 2 and Star Trek Online. Come out for a day of creativity, celebrating all things pop culture, video games, board and card games, cosplay, comics, and a host of other media and art. That's September 28th at the Southside Mall, South Williamson, Kentucky. Right, and we're back. And speaking of... J.J. Abrams, we mentioned, mentioned him before, and Sammy, you found some news that I found quite intriguing, and I disappeared into the internet yesterday looking this up. Uh, Why don't you unpack for us our J.J. news? Okay, so up to this point, you know, we even in this episode, we've talked about J.J. with Star Wars, J.J. with Star Trek, uh, you know, 
J.J. Abrams has a reputation of these big budget types of films. Um, he has now signed a multi-million dollar deal with Warner. So Bad Robot is going to be working hand in hand with Warner. And this includes movies, television, games. So obviously we all know where a lot of fan speculation has went. The, the fixer. Predator. Yes, that's it. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fix-It is in, and he's going to fix Superman and the Justice League. Oh, I wanted him to fix the Predator. No, um, <laughs> no, it's great. And I did a bunch of looking. You're talking about the, all the money he took? He, it is It is a boatload of money. I mean, it is the downy-sized, you know, back-up-the-truck type style of money. Yeah. Um, but he actually turned down a lot of money. Because he was also negotiating with Apple. Apple was trying to start a yes. theatrical film thing. And he took more than half of a pay cut of what Apple's offering him to go to Warner Brothers to get to work in the DCEU. I just found yes. that really interesting that he's that into it. Well, you know, here's the thing. In the early 2000s, J.J. was putting together his own script for a Superman movie. It was called Superman Flyby. And this was kind of a younger Clark Kent you know, just in college, you know, just out of college type of feel. Um, and this was back during that McG was going to direct and, and all of this, this kind of turmoil that went in that eventually ended up with Brian Singer doing Superman Returns. Mm. So before Superman Returns, you know, Abrams was supposed to do the Superman movie for Warner at the time. He was the one going to bring the character back uh, from the Christopher Reeve stuff that came prior and then just because of different things happening you know eventually it was you know superman returns that is what we got uh so i think he has a vested interest i think he's always enjoyed the dc characters so i'm interested like i said to see where he goes with this and i'm i mean i still i got some conflicting details on my <laughs> i was in the car driving back from vacation Blowing my mobile data out. Just, <laughs> I mean, article after article. And there's a little bit of maybe a lack of clarity on yes. what his role exactly is. Is he, he's also got, he's not, it's not just one. He was allowed to pick two movies. He's making Superman and a Green Lantern movie. Yes. Which I'm excited about. I love Green Lantern. It's, I mean, it's probably my. I love Batman as a character, but the cor the corner of the DC universe that I love the most are the guys with the weird rings. I just I love like them. the core. Yeah, and I don't even care which one it is. I mean, give me Hal Jordan, Jessica Cruz. I don't care. I just I love all the Green Lanterns. We need Guy um, Gardner. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if the world's ready for that bowl cut. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the only way we're getting a Green Lantern movie because it's not yes. been on the schedule for, I mean, way down the line. As in, Correct. like, not ever really going to happen. Um, and But if J.J., if, if that's something he really wants to do, the amount of money they've given him, it's going to happen and soon. And he was, part of his deal is, is he's got guaranteed spots in their theatrical release schedule. Yes. So, um, go ahead. Well, if you think about it, you know, with Superman and Green Lantern both, you have a huge sci-fi element. Uh, and so that's right right up his alley. Yeah, that makes I perfect mean, sense. To me, that's his wheelhouse. 
let's jump into these large galactic spanning types of stories. And I've said that for years that, you know, we keep pulling out Superman stories that are earthbound stories. I want to see some of the galactic Superman stuff. I want to see Brainiac larger than life in space. I want to see, you know, Mongol. I would, you know, some of these types of characters that I think will really up the ante instead of Superman fighting Lex Luthor or Zod again. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, but I think I'm not, I'm not, I'm not clear about on that. Um, so is he going to be kind of like a Zack Snyder replacement where he's directing the movie he's directing and kind of vaguely overseeing all of it? Or is he going to be some blend of that and the full on Kevin Feige? Like he's in charge of all DC. Don't know. You know, according to reports, it was, you know, bad robot as far as his company was the one who officially has signed as, you know, with Warner, but you know, he's in there. So I think his role is still a little, a little, you know, unclear maybe as far as the overall DCEU. Yeah. And it sounds like they're doing um, kind of a soft reboot too, because Matt Reeves has obviously, I mean, he cast the sparkly vampire to be Batman. They're going younger. Yes. And it sounds like, um, obviously there's not really a script in place yet. They're not filming anything. Um, but it sounds like he wants to reboot Superman and not play in the same wheelhouse of what's been filmed before. Right. Um, but there's no chance they're a complete reboot. There's no, no chance. <laughs> there's no way because as far no. as the, the, you know, Wonder Woman is too successful, you know, and, and Gal Gadot playing Wonder Woman, they're not going to reset that. You know, <laughs> Jason no Momoa, Jason Momoa is Aquaman. They're not going to reset that. <laughs> So it's going to be a soft reboot, if anything. Yeah. See, um, I think that the rumor I heard was that maybe they were going to, like, he was going to triangulate with, like, Matt Reeves on Batman and James Gunn on Suicide Squad and Patty Jenkins on Wonder Woman. And they were going to build toward the next Justice League movie being, like, a crisis. Ah, okay. Where they bring in, like, the younger Batman Superman with the more established Aquaman and Wonder Woman. And that's how they sort of make all that fit together. Oh, play with the timeline a little bit then, right? Yeah. Well, if you think about with um, with the Joker, you know, they're saying that this movie is part of the DCEU. So that's another one of those kind of situations where it's a little wibbly-wobbly in the, in the time frame. Hmm. So That's real wibbly-wobbly. Uh, yeah. So and didn't I read they that, say like a month ago this is not in the DCEU? They did, but then Variety <laughs> reported that it was. So uh, I'll, I'll hang that on Variety. But <laughs> okay, I'm confused. Um, but I need, but I, I one thing I do need, I need to see Shazam in the next Justice League movie. They need Shazam. to make that happen. They need that little bit of weirdness and goofiness tucked in there. Yes. Uh, they need to go back and look at uh, Justice League International because Shazam was in there along with that guy Gardner Green Lantern movie and Batman. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, I've read a little bit of it. Oh, it, it's great. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, that's uh, straight in the middle of a goofy central there. And while we're talking about Goofy, there's some interesting news here on the new Ghostbusters 2020 movie. Yes. Um, everybody's back. 
almost everyone now has confirmed. And I say almost because there's still one holdout with an official Amian. So Moranis, right? Is that who you mean? No. Oh, really? Bill okay. Murray, Bill Murray has still not officially really? said I'm in. He's Are you teased sure? It. According to what I read today, even the interview with Dan Aykroyd, when Dan Aykroyd, so basically Dan Aykroyd has finally confirmed he will be back. And in the interview, he said, we're hoping Bill will return as well. Huh. So as of right now, though, we've got Aykroyd back, we've got Hudson back, we've got um, Sigourney Weaver. Ah, okay. They're dropping IMDb him in thinks there. he's on it, yeah. All right, we'll go IMDb. Um, but like I said, based on that, I know um, Aykroyd's interview just said that he was hoping hmm. Bill would be back. So I don't know. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, I don't know if it'll feel right without him. I mean, if you're bringing the rest of that cast back and not doing a reboot like they did with Answer the Call, then Bill Murray needs to be there. Yeah, you've got to have Nick Munn. But I also, the one the one I was thinking was missing is Rick Moranis. I know yes. he's kind of retired, um, but, I mean, Annie Potts is back. I need to see Annie Potts and him on screen together again. I agree. And now, I, just, now, I love that guy. Should they they go the direction that uh, the cartoon went, and Janine and uh, and uh, I can't remember his character all of a sudden, Rick Moranis's character. Yeah, I blanked too. I could have told you if you hadn't asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, Lewis. They ended up in, in the cartoon. Didn't they end up working together as Ghostbusters? Also, I believe in the in the cartoon. It was like a late seat later season, but uh, I was very young. I don't remember. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> baby. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but they were but so yeah, good together. They were, they were, and I'm excited about you know Annie Potts. I just think you know I've she's played um, young Sheldon's grandma you know, his meemaw now for a few seasons. So I would love to see her back. Uh, she's great as Sheldon's meemaw. So smoking her cigarettes and playing poker and, you know, <laughs> you know proper Southern grandmother. <laughs> I don't care what Annie Potts does. She's just great in everything. I mean, she, she just has, she's so great on screen. She's got such a presence and her comedic timing is perfect. Very much so. Um, yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad she's back, but I need Rick Moranis to answer the phone. I we need do. him to find the dotted line and, and sign it. So, so he needs to answer the call also, right? <laughs> I still defend that movie. I think that's a good movie. I think you know, and, 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 I, and I think they could. Okay, you no. just cut out. Hey, it's okay. on your shelf. Yeah, I I did purchase it. It's sitting on the shelf, but I've not had a chance to watch it yet. Same. I'm getting there. Come on, baby. Anyway, I've been I've been neck deep in another TV show, so. (laughs) All right, get to it though. But I I think I think that there's room there from um like I'd like to. Can they make them both? Make the sequel with the original cast. Make a sequel with the new cast. I'd have been okay with both. Yeah, definitely. I've got room in my heart for two sets of Ghostbusters. 
It's all right. Well, but I got to ask you this, though. Do you have it in your heart for two sets of Princess Bride? Absolutely not. I only have one word for you. And you probably know what this word is, Jamie. Inconceivable! <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. And even Carrie Elwes, he knows. He's come out and said, why does this need to be remade? Yes. And there, there's no way you recapture that charm. No. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about, you know, there are so many fans and critics who look at this as what they consider the perfect movie. Um, and, and I just don't know how you recapture Princess Bride again. You, you just, you can't do it. I mean, and it was kind of, I mean, almost like a, like a lightning in a bottle, perfect timing for everyone. Perfect timing for, you know, the director, the cast. I mean, everybody was perfect in the roles. And it was kind of an accident yes. that happened. I've read, I've read some behind-the-scenes, like, books on Princess Bride. Not, not that I'm that kind of nerd. But, um, <laughs> but like, none, they didn't really get who they wanted for any of these roles, really. And right. they just kind of lucked into the perfect cast. And you're not doing that again. You know, what? what's scary though and i've stated this before and we've had these discussions before i just feel like we're we're in this mode that everybody's in a remake mode yeah. you know disney is remaking you know their animated features now with computer generated uh you know characters uh we've got you know it's just all of this and you know, the, the most interesting article I think I read dealing with Princess Bride, though, was in The New Yorker. Okay, Richard Brody writes, remake everything. He literally put, just remake everything. Give fans the chance to decide, do they still appreciate the classic or do they like the other better? And he uses movies like Brian De Palma's version of Scarface from 83 versus Hank uh, Howard Hawks version in 1932. He goes, come on, De Palma's is better. So, <laughs> so this was his his foundation for it. I didn't like the article, but that's just me. <laughs> I mean, I, I see what he's saying, but no, not this movie. <laughs> I agree completely. You know, there's some just you know, if you want to call them holy grails, if you want to call them, you know, just the, those pieces of cinema get you leave alone you know that you just don't mess with them i mean we don't need to see gone with the wind remade we may no. got, got an awful television sequel but we don't need that movie remade you know that was what it was and what it will always be and we can pretend a television sequel doesn't exist that's right if you remake it and just call it the princess bride again we can't ignore it or, or maybe we could just do the movie in the universe of The Princess Bride. Sure. I, yeah, well, I, I don't love that either, but I don't hate it as much. <laughs> Take side characters. Develop them. Do something. Sure. But don't mess, with, don't mess with the main characters. Now, if Andre were still drawing breath, I would watch Andre the Giant spinoff. Agreed. Uh, maybe him and Montoya off on a side adventure. Oh, Give me that. I'd, I, yeah, I'd watch that. But we've got problems with that. We can't do that now. So just leave it alone. Yes. But we're not going to leave it alone, though, are we, Sammy? No, we're not. 
So, you know, we are not really talking remake. We're talking about rewatch. Right, Jamie? That's right. And we've got Will. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Well, we've got Will Con coming up. And Sammy is elbow deep or hip deep, whatever the right metaphor is, in the Will Con planning. Yes. So we've got a kind of a fun little role for Wilcon this year, and I'm kind of pumped about it. Sam, don't you unpack it for us a little bit? Sure. Uh, now, for those of you that have been listening to us for a while, you know that our first convention that the nerds visited was HerdCon, and we did our commentary and discussion on the original Ghostbusters, speaking back to the you know what we were discussing earlier. So for Wilcon, we're using Princess Bride. Now we are hoping. You know, hope beyond hope that that it is possible to screen Princess Bride in some way. That's the plan. uh, That's the plan. Now, if something happens, though, we are still going to be doing commentary and we want you, the listener, to be a part of our show. So we're going to throw this out. So as you all know, as you watch our show, we in our movie commentaries, we have awards so, Jamie, what awards are we going to ask our listeners and our Will Connors to uh, chime in on at the show? Well, we've got our big three, and I, th- and I think they're the three that we, we do on every review. I mean, I think we've done on every single movie we've ever reviewed. So we're going to do our favorite quote, and we're, we're tweaking a little bit for Princess Bride because I think it would be hard to have a best quote from yes. that movie. There's so many. Your favorite quote. So, so normally we do the awards. We're opening this wide up. We want you to come and give out the awards this time. And so we're going to do favorite quote, favorite character. And that's going to be, I'm going to be really intrigued by the answers on this one. There's so many options. And so it's favorite quote, favorite character, and favorite scene. And you've got so many options for every one of these. I can't wait to hear our attendees talk about it. Yeah, definitely. We, we want you all to be a part of this. So a lot of you at, you know, have stuck with us. Uh, from the beginning, some of you have joined on with us. You know, we want to get you involved. So do be looking for us. Uh, ask if necessary, and somebody will guide you in, to find us. Uh, we'll be probably posting out on our Facebook group, you know, as far as what we're doing throughout the day, trying to keep everybody aware. But uh, we would just love to hear from you all. And if um, you don't have a pen and pencil handy, if you're driving when you're listening to this, don't, don't. Like, try to write down what the awards were while you're driving. Be safe. Be careful. We get it. Um, we will repost those on Facebook. Definitely. And so we will make these available to you more than one in more than one way. So that was the good news. Now, unfortunately, for me, it's time for some bad news. This always goes poorly for me. Uh-oh. Dad, what time is it? It's running time. It's running time. It's Trelawney time, it's Trelawney time, it's time to make a prediction, baby don't you whine, it's Trelawney time, it's Trelawney time. And yes, it is Trelawney time. My least favorite part of our, of our podcast? <laughs> um... And so, so I, I don't want to I don't want to recap the last one yet because Dwayne's not here. I, I like when we do that all together. Yes, I agree. So what are we doing this time, Sammy? What what am I getting wrong this time? 
All right. So <laughs> we mentioned about uh, DC and some of their successes and, and number of failures. So we're really interested in the new movie, The Joker, that's coming out. So Joaquin Phoenix as the clown prince of crime. So what's this going to look like? We don't know. We've reported on it. We've talked about it. But now we're going to have to rate this thing for Trelawney time. So, Jamie, what are you thinking? Well, we've we've covered before about how – yes, I am stalling. Um, we've talked about this movie probably second only to Star Wars on our news yes. episodes. I mean this thing has been – just. I think all three of us are intrigued by whatever this is. Because I don't have a good feel for what it is, which is kind of making it hard for me to give it a grade. <laughs> um, I don't know precisely what this movie is, like what it's about, what it's going for, who exactly it's appealing to. But so I'm going to give it a 94 percent because my hunch is based on how it was uh, reacted to at the Cannes Film Festival um, that sort of thing, it kind of feels like a comic book movie that's actually going to appeal to critics. And there aren't a lot of those, but this feels like one that's going to get really high marks from the critics. So I'm going 94%. All right. So Jamie's going 94 Now, even though Dwayne's not with us, he did uh, send us his uh, ranking, his score for Joker. So, Jamie, what was his uh, his score there for us? He's moderating his excitement a little bit. Dwayne went 88%. Yes. All right. So Dwayne's at an 88. So I'm going to cut almost in the middle. All right. I'm going to say 90%. Okay. So, so I'm going to play, I'm going to play safe and be the, be the, the middleman this time. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I should try that more often. I think, uh, I think with our last one, I, I went low and I haven't seen how that's going to turn out yet, but, um, yeah, we'll I, don't, I don't, I don't check. I let Dwayne drop the hammer on me every time because I know it's bad and I don't ever want to see. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets a little bit of a joy out of, of really letting does. you know, doesn't he? <laughs> he really does. I mean, if this is a video podcast, you guys can see the glint in his eyes as he ruins yeah. my day. <laughs> if his mustache was longer, he'd be twirling it you know, while, while he tells it. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh. Well, we, we love you, brother. I don't mind that you puncture my balloon. Um, and Dwayne will be with us at WheelCon, and so you will get to see him there, and you'll get to hear those dulcet tones as we talk about the Princess Bride. And I, and I do hope you join us. I'm really excited about everything that's going on there. All right, so tune in next week, and we'll uh, we'll talk about some Princess Bride. Keep it nerdy. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the Brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics.